Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Listen, here's what I'm excited about is we're only five days away. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday is our first service. We're having one Saturday, three Sunday. Please invite your peeps. Please come. I'm telling you, it's going to be life-changing you're not going to believe what God's going to do. Here's what I'm telling you. We had a great first service. It was packed out. Second service is awesome too. Listen, we're going to have over a thousand people for the first time at our four services, and I'm really excited about it. And I'm pumped that six of you are in agreement in Jesus' name. I'm really excited about that. Here's what I'm asking y'all to do, and I'll talk just a little bit at the very end. I'm asking y'all to seriously pray and ask the Lord who he'd have you invite. Because there's power in you walking up with your mouth, there's words of life and death that you can do as well. There's power in you walking up to somebody and saying, I want you to come with me. I want you to sit with me. This is going to be an awesome service. It's going to be an awesome day. We don't have special fireworks and that kind of stuff planned. It's not going to be extra stuff. I, we've done that before. I just really believe you should do a service that's honoring to the Lord. And I believe that's what this is going to be. But I'm telling you, people's lives are going to change. I just believe it. And so, Please uh, run your mouth and be excited. This is the last week of life and death. And I want you to know that if you've missed every week, this will make sense to you. Because even though it's tied together, this one by itself will make a lot of sense. And if you were or were not here for the first series of the year, which was a relationship series, but it tied into young people and tied into people that aren't married. If you weren't here for that, this is going to kind of be a bow for both of those. So his and hers, life and death, kind of tied together in one to close it out. Life and death. And the place that life and death came from every week, the place that we drew from is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. That death and life come from your mouth, whether you like this or not, whether you think that's silly or not, there's absolutely death and life in the power of your tongue. Now, this is the part that I get off a little bit on and I get to struggling a little bit is why would God... Allow Solomon, who wrote this, right after that and then put it in his word. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We know this. We believe, That's awesome. And then the very next verse, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm the only one in here that finds that odd. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, if you find a wife, you find a good thing. Congratulations. Nobody else. Like when I'm reading the Bible sometimes, I read and go, did he mean to do those back to back? <laughs> Because he knows that death and life that are in the power of the tongue happen with me and my wife. If you're married in here or you've been married in here or you've ever thought about getting married in here and you're not saying amen right now, you're choosing to sin before God. I'm telling you right now. Because it's hard to be married. Does anybody agree? Amen. And the result of that difficulty in being hard is, is we believe this. And I, listen, my wife, listen, my wife is the greatest blessing in my life. But sometimes... I choose this when it comes to my communication with her because I make her common. I make her ordinary in my own mind because I've been through life and it's difficult and I've gone through my day and it's difficult. And at the end of the day, when she says, tell me about your day, 
I don't want to tell you about my day. Why don't you shut your mouth and stay away from me? I want to tell you about my pillow. Don't let the kids come and mess with me now. I know I'm not the only one, so y'all better not stay quiet right now. I, and I just, want to, I, I just want to stop. Stop talking. What is the problem? And so we, we allow these things to creep in our lives because we're stressed out, because difficulties come, because we go through all this stuff. So I find it very ironic that two verses before this, it's about if I'm offended, I'm like a wall that comes up. And then death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, by the way, by the way, you're awesome. If you find a wife, you're favored. Good job. It's like, Solomon, man, that ain't even funny. <laughs> but I, I want to show you how this ties in so much with the family unit today. So every person in here, this is going to hit you. Because when it comes to our relationship with our parents, when it comes to our relationship with people at school, in every situation, I believe that today is going to tie in for you. And maybe especially for the married people in the room. But this is the verse that I kind of want to put a bow to and kind of draw from today. And it's also in Proverbs, but it's Proverbs 12, 18. So we're flipping them. And it's, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. There's one person who may be close to you or it may be you, who when you speak, it's like a thrusting of a sword going into them and like you twist it and it, it's harmful and it's hurtful and everything that we say is to be right. And we all know those people and the problem is some of the time that those people is me. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want everybody to say healing. Healing. When we think of words, we don't think of healing, right? We don't think that word that you just said to me healed me. But here's the reality. If I had a potion that I could put on you and, and touch you and then you'd be healed of some disease, the healing of your soul is much more powerful and much more amazing. And words are oftentimes what crushes people and what brings healing. Words, words, things that I say to you. When I speak condemnation to you and I say things like, you'll never make it. You're just a screw up. I, I don't love you. I don't love you anymore. I hate you. That's the, that's the thrusting of a sword. But when I say to you, maybe for the first time, God has a plan for your life. You can make it. I believe in you. I believe in the calling that's on your life. For some of you, that may just mean, oh, he's just saying that because it's his job. But when you realize the person actually means it, there's a healing of something that happened inside of me that takes place when I, when I think to myself, that person actually means that. The reason that we typically are not healing with our mouths, especially, listen, to the person that we're closest to, is because we remember the things that were wronged against us and we hold that against the person that we're talking to. So if something happened during my day that was a difficulty and I'm ticked off and I'm frustrated, they don't know it. But I then, I then angle it at them and tell them, what they can think about it and what they can do and where they can go and whose business it is. Especially men, you better talk to me. When we haven't eaten supper, it's 8 o'clock at night. We hadn't eaten since 11 o'clock. We're very hungry and we're up. Somebody say amen. And it's, and it's hard, right? And so the reality is I may want to only be kind, but I find myself thrusting swords at people all around me and I'm hateful. So the goal is to bring healing, to bring washing, to bring life with our words. And so the title of today's message is The Washing of Words. The way that we can be healers with our mouth. The way that we can see life change take place with what we do. And there's a person that modeled this better than anybody else. And he, we're going to look at him. And it's not going to be surprising. My mama always texts me on Sunday mornings and says, what are you preaching on today? And every Sunday I tell her the same thing and it drives her crazy. Pour it out. That's what we're preaching on. Praise the Lord. 
I think someone might have hit a button. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and I hope it wasn't me. I don't think I have any buttons. I got a zipper. But she asked me every week, what are you going to preach on? And I always tell her, Jesus. And she thought, that's not even funny. I want to know what you're preaching on. I am preaching on Jesus. So today, the person that I'm going to preach on it. Jesus. You got to say, let it, Jesus. I said, we're preaching on, praise the Lord, the washing of words. There was one that modeled it for us. And he poured it out, and he showed us how it, how it works. You're welcome. That was free. Let's dab for him. The washing of words. Here we go. We got way off track, everybody. Washing of words. And this is how it ties in with husbands and wives. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you ever want to know, like, what should I be doing? Where should I be going? Am I going in the right direction? Does God want me to do this? Is, go to Ephesians 5. But listen, make sure you don't skip over Ephesians 5. And verses before he says, wives and husbands, 521, submitting yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. The mutual submission, what can I do to help is it precedes what wives should do and what husbands should do. If you miss that verse, you might as well pump those brakes and not try to go, well, the Bible says, did you do what the Bible said? Did you go with 521 or did you go straight to husbands? You're supposed to. Because that's what we typically do is we try to point other people at what they're supposed to be doing. We don't want to see what our responsibility is. Maybe I won't get an amen for that one because it's too much about me. Here we go. Verse 25. This is for husbands in here, but I think there's a bigger picture that all of us have to get. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You ready? Having cleansed her, having cleansed her. By going with soap and by moving all this stuff around and making sure that she was cleansed and telling her what to do and not to do. Is that what it says? No, no it says by cleansing her with the washing of water with the word. word. The word. He cleansed her with the washing of water with the word. That word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and we saw his glory full of grace and full of truth. That word is how washing takes place. That logos, that, that Jesus himself and by our words were justified and by our words were condemned. So this is what Jesus was saying right here. Listen, they're cleansed by the word. So when you use words, you decide if cleansing or condemnation will come out of your mouth. If cleansing, that was better than I got a response for. If cleansing or condemnation is what comes out of our mouth. So, so we decide in our hearts when we walk into a room and it's 8 o'clock and I'm hungry, because <laughs> this is still relevant, am I going to condemn them, correct them, tell them like it is, or am I thinking about what Jesus did for me as a result? Can I be honest with y'all? I do not think at 8 o'clock most of the time, when I'm tired, I want to put my feet up. This is going to be the cleansing with the words. Praise the Lord. I'm fixing to pour it out. I don't think all those things, okay? I think, leave me alone. Don't mess with me. This is the problem when it comes to washing. Washing. Is there's different types of washings, y'all. There's different types of ways that we can wash stuff. Now, if you're a husband in here, maybe you should learn how to wash. Come on, somebody. Like, you're welcome. I learned in my 30s. <laughs> My mama used to do my laundry for me, so it wasn't my fault early in my marriage when I just, it was my fault. I just want to make excuses. <laughs> but there's different types of washing. We just um, finished remodeling a home, and um, I'm really thankful we moved in on Leah's birthday on Friday, so it was awesome. And we spent the last couple nights in there, and in the kids' bathroom, there, it's an older house that we, that we did a fixer-upper, and um, 
in the kids' bathroom, there's an old cast iron tub, and it's really cool. It's, it's awesome looking, and we, we, we change the tile to look more modern. And the way that they do it is they take the cast iron and, and the tile, and they sandblast it. It's fascinating. Put plastic up all around. They put this machine that sucks the air out. It's like a big fan. And it sucks the air out of the window so it doesn't mess up the whole house. And they literally blast it down and they paint back over it. If you saw that tub today, you would say that's a brand new cast iron tub. That ain't no brand new cast iron tub. We did not take that thing out and put a new one in. That would be a horrible mess to try to get it in that. I don't even think you could fit it in there. But... They were able to clean this thing with this crazy sandblaster and then repaint it. This is the problem. That's great that that worked for the tub, but you ain't a tub, and neither am I. And when I try to sandblast people with my mouth, telling them like it is, and I think, well, it's going to clean them, you may think that it cleans them, and it may be the right words to say that cleans them, but what's actually happening is I'm thrusting the sword into the place that harms them the most, thinking I'm doing well. So why don't I wash with the water of the word? If I've been washed in the blood, if I've been washed in the word, why do I not respond that way? Because, come on, Travis, you can clap with me if no one else does. And this is why, because I don't get this part. I don't get this part. This part doesn't even make sense to my heart when I act that way, when I respond that way, when I'm in that problem is so that, and this is what Jesus was responding to. This is what Paul wrote to us in Ephesians telling us this is how our response will be so that he might, Jesus might present us, the church, to himself spotless or without wrinkle. In splendor, he says, without spot or wrinkle. So let me make sure I understand this. So like when my wife or my kids, when y'all, when people in my life, when, when everybody that I, well, when, I, when someone's wronged me, let me make sure I get this because this don't make any sense, Jesus. I'm supposed to respond to them so that they can be washed in the word and then I can present them to you perfect. That's not fun. When they mess up, I want to tell them that they messed up. When, when, when the world messes up against me, I want them to know about how bad they messed up. I want, them to, I want to pressure wash them because they're hard. And I got to and I got to show them how bad they are. So I'm going to wash them, but I'm going to do it my way because my way is way more fun for me. I'm going to tell everybody like it is. I want them to know what it's about. No, 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 no. The way that you're washing them is so that they're renewed, so that they're made new, so that they're cleansed. Not so that they're crushed. And so that Jesus does this for us. He cleanses us so that we can be made new. And he can present us to himself perfect and without blemish. Now, when it comes to being a husband, and this is what my calling is, I I don't know. Like I'm all about like doing. I love to serve I love to do things for Leah. I love to buy things for Leah. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. But when it comes to responding to her, and she rarely does wrong. Honestly, I'm not making that up. She's, she's a wonderful woman. But at the end of the day, when I'm tired and she said something to me because she's tired and all this, the last thing I'm thinking is, I'm going to respond to you so that I can present you spotless and without blemish. I'm thinking pressure washer time. You're going to be told that you're wrong, right? I don't like that but it's the truth without blemish. I've read this and preached this and done, Lee and I have done marriage conferences together and I've used 
John chapter 13 before. Let me tell you what John 13 is. You don't have to turn there. I've used John 13 before to show serving. God changed my life when I was um, probably the hardest time in our marriage. The hardest thing we've ever been through. Years ago before we had kids, I, um, I, don't, I didn't have a temper. I have a temper and the Lord has helped me tremendously mature and not uh, struggle as bad as I used to. But in this era of me popping off at my mouth and whitewashing Leah every time she walked in the door, um, we had a very difficult situation in our home where I, would, I was just not kind to Leah most of the time. I was miserable at work. I was doing what I wasn't supposed to. I had all these things going on. I made excuses. The fact of the matter is I was just living outside of God's plan for my life individually, not my job. My job wasn't the problem. I was the problem. And the result is it came to a head one day where, honest to goodness, it could have gone either way whether or not our marriage was going to last. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to make up something to make the story better because I hate this part of my marriage, of what it was. I think we had been married three years so you can kind of get a picture. We've been married 16 this summer. and The Lord showed me as he was healing me through some things that John 13 was, a, was the place that he wanted me to treat my wife. And he took me from the washing in this place to the washing in that place. John 13 is Jesus in the upper room where he washes his disciples' feet. And y'all listen, I, I immediately thought of serving and I think serving is a great picture of what you should do for each other and husbands for your wives as he gave himself up. But I think there's a bigger picture. And I think the washing that he was actually referring to in this area was about one word. And it's this word, forgiveness. I've never seen this part of the story before. And I've read it and preached it, like I said, many times. But this is what I really believe that it's about. See, it's easy for me to offer forgiveness to someone that I believe deserves it. Leah's a great example. She deserves my forgiveness because she's kind to me. But in the last week, the Lord has pointed out two people in my life that I have held unforgiveness over. And can I be honest with you? I didn't even realize that I was doing it, I don't think. There was a harboring of bitterness in my soul that, that I didn't even pay attention to. And I was like, my gosh. And I literally responded to it. I, I reached out to these people and said, I, I want to ask for your forgiveness because of this. They could hold it against me. If they do, I, so be it. I was doing what God called me to do. But I realized when I talked about them, listen to me, when I talked about them to other people, it was to put myself in a better light. And when I talked about them, it was to wash them with a hard word, not the way that Jesus would wash me. Here's what Jesus did in John 13. John 13 verse 5 says that Jesus took out a basin of water and knelt down and began to wash their feet. Now you need to understand that in that day, only slaves washed feet. That, that when you walked into a room, you, you, you had to have clean feet to, to be welcomed into the home if you were an honored guest. And a slave or a bond servant would wash your feet. And so the moment that Jesus went down to wash their feet... Peter, who was the loud mouth that spoke first but got it last. I can relate to that dude. Let me just tell you something. Peter, Peter was like, hang on, Jesus, pump those brakes. You can't be washing my feet. I'm supposed to wash your feet. Verse 8 says, you can't wash my feet. And in verse 9, Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And Peter's like, sweet, wash my feet, my hands, my head, everything. Wash everything. I'm a part of you. I want with you. And he's like, you don't get it. 
Let me tell you what we don't get. We believe that when we receive from God that we should have to do some more than just receive his forgiveness. So what we tell him is what Peter told him. Jesus, I, I receive your forgiveness. Now let me do this for you and let me do this for you and let me do this for you because if I do those things, maybe I can really be a part of you. And he's like, you don't get it. All you had to do was receive my forgiveness and trust me and then you're all a part of me. I've set all of you free when I set you free. When the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. But the problem is when we, when we think about it, we remember our sin and we remember all that we did and we're like, that's too good to be true. It can't be that much. And here's why I believe that's the case. Because when we think about forgiveness, we think about how much he had to forgive us and how much we're not willing to forgive others. So he must have to go through some motions like I make everybody else, standing on one foot, touch your nose, turn around, touch your toes, do whatever you got to do, and then I'll forgive you. I'll trust you again. That's not the same thing. That is not the same thing. And the problem is, in my life, what I've noticed is this. In my life, what I've noticed is this. I'm willing to forgive people in my home, but the reason that most marriages break up it's not when you walk, I'm doing a wedding this afternoon and I'm not going to stand at that wedding and go, I bet, or at that ceremony and go, I bet y'all are hoping that y'all get divorced. Right? Are y'all with me? I don't think anybody ever stood across from each other and go, 50-50, we probably make it. You know, there's at least 50-50. There's a good chance here. We got we one for two, we can make this thing. Everybody knows they're going to make it. Something happens and it's called unforgiveness and it creeps in. It's like, a, it's like a horrible cell of cancer that you don't catch. And it goes up and it gets into your body and then it spreads. And it's, and it's the stage four type and it's the metastatic type that just spreads all over your body and you don't know what to do with it. That's what unforgiveness is. And it creeps in and you look back and here's how you know you're living in unforgiveness. In my home, when washings of unforgiveness is taking place and I'm sandblasting my spouse, it's because I say things like, you never, you always... I can't believe you do. And, and I bring these words up from the past and I say, remember when you. And those are those magic words that have, and I can see some of y'all are going, mm -mm, you better shut your mouth because this is talking to me. I'm talking to me if I'm not talking to you. So let me ask you this question. Why would we do this? If we know that it's detrimental and devastating, why do we do it at work? And you know, this is the part that I think is devastating is when we do it at work, we typically don't do it at our boss. We do it to other people about our boss. She never wants to. She's always saying. The reason that I believe that we choose the sword instead of the healing in our tongues and the reason we choose the wrong kind of washing in our mouths is because we believe that forgiveness is too good to be true. That there's no possible way, as much as I've done wrong, that God has really forgiven me for all that I've done. There's no possible way that his good is good enough. There's no possible way that his blood that he shed was, was enough to forgive me of my junk. And there's no possible way that in the embarrassment and the shame that I have of my past, of my stuff, let's say in the last week, there's no possible way that it's good enough. So so as a result, I'm going to hold myself in contempt of court. And here's how I'll respond. I'll curse everybody else when I'm supposed to bless them. 
I'll speak down on everybody else. I'll condemn them with my tongue, but I'll say I'm doing it to help them. And so it'll sound like a healing, but it's actually a sandblasting and it's a condemnation of I caught you. I got you in the act. I see where you are and I know where you're going. I caught you. Look what you've done. And we curse the people that need desperately so much help. I want y'all to understand before I move on what forgiveness actually is. Forgiveness is not saying everything that you've done is okay. Forgiveness is saying, because of God's love in my life, I choose to not hold it against you any longer. I'm not saying we're having barbecue. I'm not saying we're going to hang out and we're going to spend the rest of our lives jihad. I'm saying that I'm not going to hold it against you because I know that when I hold it against you, I'm actually holding it against me. And when I think I'm throwing the knife in you, what it's throwing the knife in is me. And I'm holding all of this in a harbor of bitterness. And I think it affects you, but it's killing me. And everyone that I respond to is getting the death knife, but the person that is affected most by it is me. Because I think that forgiveness is too good to be true. There's no way that God's love is that good. There's no way that he loves me that much. And here's the truth. He does. And it is. And I just don't receive it. And up till that point in my life, y'all, when I was 23 years old and I was treating my wife like like a second-rate citizen. And I was treating people around me like second-rate citizens thinking that I was okay. And I find myself still doing it today if I'm not careful when it comes to forgiveness and how I receive it, not how I give it. The overflow of my heart, the the overflow of what I say, the out of this well that comes out is an unforgiving well because I believe that it's too good to be true. And the washing that I give is, I'll fix you. Not I'm healed. Let me show you the way. The goal of our Lord was to heal us through the washing of his word to set before himself a spotless lamb. Why? Because he was spotless, perfect, and without blemish. And he took the place of our junk, of our sin and our shame, so that he could make you new and he could give you the choice of whether or not you'll receive it because to those who receive it, he gives the right to be called children of God. That's an amazing gift. Did you know when I look around in here, I see all kinds of different people. I see, I see people that have been healed from addictions, and I see people that have probably never struggled with that at all. I see people that, that had so much yuck in their past that I know about with abuse and abandonment, and I see people that have never struggled with that at all. I see people that have had so many things go through their life that it's hard to explain, and it's a, it's a storybook. And I see some people that you wouldn't think you have a storybook at all. But the one person that I see that needs the forgiveness of God more than anybody else is the person that you're looking at right now. It's the person that I stare at in the mirror every day. None of your shame, none of your hurt, none of your addictions, none of your past equal what I know about me. And only then am I in the place where I can minister like God's called me to. Because as soon as I look and say, well, God help them. Then I'm operating in unforgiveness. And I'm immediately going to sandblast those that God has called me to. That is the problem with the world that we're in, y'all. Is there's hope in the person of Jesus that could literally change this entire world. But we operate in unforgiveness and our mouths throw swords when they should be healing the nations. The healing of the nations. According to the Bible, not according to my opinion. In, I believe it's Revelation 19. The healing of the nations are you. The leaves and the fruit that is produced when I'm in the tree of life, when I'm, when I'm functioning the way God has called me to, but because bitterness comes in and a root is tapped up in me and things begin to shift, I don't operate like he's called me to. I operate like I believe they deserve. 
Can I be honest with you? I'm never really operating like I think they deserve. I'm operating like I think I deserve. If I would just stop long enough to say, what's the problem here? I'm the problem here. I'm trying to give myself what I, what I believe I deserve, and as a result, I'm giving it to all of them. The reason we're not changing the environment in our workplace, the reason we're not changing the environment for his name's sake in a healing manner in our homes, the reason we're not going up to people and telling mountains to move in their lives and seeing things happen is because we're operating in a bitterness, in a hurt, in an abandonment place, not receiving his forgiveness. There's no way we can change an environment if our environment hasn't been changed. This is the soil that I'm talking about in my heart. And do you know the last person to the party normally when it comes to this stuff is me? Because people walk up and say, is everything all right, bro? Yeah, I'm great. Praise God. Doing fine. Doing fine. Praise God. Praise God. Everything's good. Make sure everybody thinks I'm good. I'm killing everybody in my path. John 13 literally changed my life this week, y'all. Because this is what Jesus says right after he washes their feet. Not all of you get this. And you might have gone through the motions. I believe that's people in this room. You might have gone through the motions of salvation and receiving his forgiveness. But the truth is you're not a part of him because you haven't really received it. You haven't said, I make you Lord of my life. I trust you. Your blood that was shed was for my forgiveness to set me free so that I can have life in your name. And he said, not all of you have. But then right after that, he says, but to those who have, go wash each other's feet. I love to serve. I love to do. I, I just think it's fun and I enjoy it. And this is what God told me last week, and I mentioned it, and I want to mention it again. Serving is great, and I believe everybody should do it. I believe everybody should serve. I believe we should, we should reach the least lost loneliness, the goal of this house. I believe we should do it. But, but we're never more like Jesus than when we, when we forgive. When we're getting on hands and knees and looking at people that don't deserve it, listen to me, that don't deserve it, and we say, I forgive you. I'm washing your feet. That is how we show Jesus to a world that so desperately needs it. In our homes, when they're falling apart and we don't know what happened, and it's like something leaked in, but it was a horrible toxin that is all in my home. How do I change the environment of my home? I start forgiving instead of saying you never and you always. That is how I'm most like Jesus, not by holding a microphone and declaring. As soon as he built a crowd, Jesus walked away and said, now this is what it looks like to be my disciples. This is one of those things that people would have walked away from. Forgive as I have forgiven you. That is hard. That is hard stuff. And it's hard for us to actually do it. But this is how I want to close. And this is what Jesus said in John 15. And this is how I think we can change the environments and our lives. Not by something that we do, but by remembering who he is. Jesus is like, listen, these are the words of Jesus. I'm the vine and my father's the vine dresser. You're just the branches, y'all. I'm just the branch. I'm just the bride of Christ. I'm not the point. Him making me spotless and without blemish is the point. So that he is high and lifted up and glorified. He says every branch that doesn't bear fruit, they're cut off. They're not part of me. But everyone who does bear fruit, he prunes. That seems harsh, right? But it's not harsh. When, when you go through those things in your life, he's doing it so that you can keep reproducing and become more, listen, and more and more and more like him because he's trying to make you spotless and without blemish to be a beautiful bride for his name's sake. Not so that he can be mean to you. He never does stuff in meanness. He never does stuff to strike fear in you. He always does things to pull you back and to make you more like himself. You don't have to try to be more like Jesus. You just have to forgive and follow him. He'll make you more 
more like himself. You just keep walking with him. When you're going through things that you don't understand, keep going. Keep walking because I'm telling you, he's going to do it. He's going to make all things new in your life. You don't have to make it new, and I don't have to make you new. It's not my job to whitewash you. It's my job to point you to the one that can make all things new. And he doesn't do it harsh. He does it in healing. He does it through the shedding of his blood and through the speaking of his word. That's how he changes everything. And he prunes it that they may bear fruit as a result of who they already are. Listen, here's the goal of each person in this room, that we become what we already are in Christ. And that we become more and more like what we already are in Christ. How do I do that? By listening and obeying what he's called me to do. Not by trying harder. Not by following a list of do's and don'ts. Through obedience. And forgiveness. And listen, I love this verse. Already you are clean because of the word. You're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. If you've received Christ and his forgiveness, you don't have to re-cleanse your body. Once your feet are cleaned by the, by the shedding of his blood, he washes you whole. He makes you new. You don't have to keep going through motions to try to do it. Back in the day, they believed that you should have a ceremonial washing every time you walk into certain places. And just like, hang on a second. There's no ceremonial washing that has to take place. There's no motions that you have to go through. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the hope that you have. I'm the true forgiveness. And when you receive me, Jesus is saying, you, you can trust that this is it. That he's truly the way and he's truly the life. And he's truly what makes all things new. But the reason that I respond differently is I don't know that we've truly received him. And then this is it. Jesus is like, this is my commandment, that you love each other. This is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, than we lay down, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Can you imagine being there when Jesus is speaking these words and listening to him say this like what is he talking about and only a few days after this would they watch Jesus actually lay down his life imagine being Peter who we talked about earlier in the story who denied Christ minutes before he would actually be convicted and then taken away to be killed the following day on a cross that was so shameful and so hurtful. Imagine having that kind of guilt on your life. And yet God knew it. Listen, this is for somebody in this room. God, not only did God know it, but he allowed it to happen so that there could be a pruning and he could become more like his Savior. God knows the hurts and the pain and the shame that you've done, Christian. But what he's allowed to happen is you to fail so that he can clip some things off and make you new again. When you try to do it, you operate from bitterness and you curse everybody that you're supposed to heal. When I try to make things right, I can't make things right. There's not enough good in me to ever change anything in the curse that I've done in the bad. Sin separates me from God, but his love, his word, his life, and the shedding of his blood makes it all new. 
God chooses one that cannot forget anything because he knows everything. Chooses not to bring it up and hold me in unforgiveness and says, no, son, I forgive you and I call you. And there's a special calling on your life. Listen, son and daughter, every person in this room, there's a special calling on your life when you receive his love and forgiveness. It's it's so unique to you. It is so powerful and awesome because God did it, not Mark Pangle. I think I know some people's, but I know he knows all of yours because he made it and he's developed it and he's created it. The reason that we don't show the world what he's actually about is because we talk into microphones and we speak out and we wear t-shirts that say Jesus and then we walk in and we live in unforgiveness and we whitewash everybody. The world doesn't need whitewashing. They need forgiving. They need love. They need mercy. They need what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. But the world won't receive it if we haven't received it first. If we don't operate from a forgiven heart, then I will try to do something that's never been done to me. And I will never get it. And I will show the world that condemnation is is the voice of the church. That is what they know about us. But that is no more today. That will no longer be the case. I can't answer for every church in America because I don't speak for them. But as for me and my house, we're going to do what the Lord says. And we're going to love one another. And we're going to look at each other and go, you know what, I don't get what you did. And I don't say it's even okay, but I choose to not hold it against you. I love you with the love of the Lord. I choose to let it go and not hold myself in contempt anymore. I choose to say you're forgiven, ex-husband who beat me. I choose to say you're forgiven, mom and dad who neglected me. I choose to say you're forgiven, person that I don't understand why you did this. Not because you deserve it, but because the Lord knows I don't deserve his forgiveness. And he's forgiven me. I operate from his forgiveness, from his grace, from his mercy. Every person that I see, everyone that I come in contact with, I choose to operate in his forgiveness. That changes everything. Y'all listen, this is what everybody needs in here. This is what I truly believe is the problem. I think that all sounds good on paper. I'm going to say this to people watching online, to listening to this this week. I believe this is prophetic, not just for this house. The church is full of people that call him Lord, but have never really received him. We got a John 13 type of people that have gone through the motions of the water but have never been baptized by the blood of Jesus, have never been set free by his love and grace and mercy. They've never really received it because they didn't think they deserved it and they didn't think they were good enough. And so they operate trying to be and they've never really received it. Here's all salvation is. It's not motions. It's not a prayer. It's saying you're the Lord and I'm not you chose to forgive me and I choose to receive it. I choose to name you Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you wrote again. By my words, I'm justified and by my words, I'm condemned. The words of unbelief are doubt and fear and lying. If you've ever doubted, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you live in that doubt. That's all you can think about. And we operate in that doubt. Let the words of faith be the words of your life. Let the words of trust be the words of your life. Let the words of hope be the words of your life and stand up and say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I will not sit. I will not let any fear keep me down. I choose to follow Jesus Christ. This is my day. This is my salvation. And I choose to follow him. Listen, this takes boldness. But I believe 
that if you want to receive, you'll be bold because you know this is a matter of life and death that are in the power of your tongue but are, but are made new in your heart. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, I don't care if you've been in church for 50 years or if today's the first time, if you want to truly receive forgiveness and see your life transformed because of his salvation, I want you to stand to your feet in front of your peers and say, that's me today. I believe if one bold person does it, other people will follow behind you. I want to know if there's one that would say, I choose. I don't care what people think. I don't care. Nothing else is going to hold me back. I'm tired of living in condemnation. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of living in judgment. I stand up. Thank you. Who else will stand up? Come on. I know there's some more. Who else will stand up? I'm tired of being held back. I'm tired of not letting go. I'm tired of not being forgiven. And I choose forgiveness. I choose to be set free. I choose hope and life in Jesus' name. Praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wonder if there's anybody else that would stand with him if this is the case. Y'all just remain standing. I wonder if there's anybody else that would stand with him and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but Lord knows I need to walk in forgiveness. Lord knows I want my life to reflect his life, and it currently does not because I operate all the time in unforgiveness. Lord knows that I look like I'm jabbing in swords where they need the washing of the water of the word of God, and I hold against them what is not held against me by our Lord and Savior. I choose to change by the power of the Word of God and by His forgiveness, not by trying harder. I choose to forgive today. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet with these bold people that stood and say, that's me, that's me. I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness to become my culture. Here's what I want y'all to do. Over half the room stood. I want y'all to respond how you need to respond. That, that could be you remain seated. That could be we have an awesome prayer team that want, would love to pray with you. They won't interrupt you. They'll let you come pray. I believe that this altar should be full because we need to do some business with God. I'm going to pray and ask you to move if God's telling you to move. God, at this time, we just give you our lives. Lord, I celebrate the fact that three people have said yes to you today and meant it with all their heart that forgiveness is theirs, that they trust you as Savior. But Lord, there's dozens of people, there's dozens of people that like me can see themselves holding others in contempt, holding unforgiveness as the culture of our lives. Lord, it is so easy to do that, but the result is condemnation. The result is hate and hurt. Lord, we're choosing to let go and lay it at your feet and we choose to forgive as a result of your forgiveness in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We lay it down. We've made this our altar and we choose to lay it at your feet. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first. And Lord, we choose to love each other starting in our homes, in our workplaces, where we play, where we go to school and then spreading throughout the world. God, I believe a movement is taking place in this room that will permeate and spread through the upstate and around the world because it's not about having a better message. You're the better message. It's about receiving that better message and letting it live out in our lives. I believe forgiveness is the change agent that, that the world begins to understand and recognize you're the way. Jesus, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your grace. We receive your reign. Pour down on us afresh and anew with your grace and mercy today, Lord. We we are yours. We were bought with a price. We're honored that you would call us sons and daughters. And today we, we choose to be forgiving, loving people. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen.